Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Modern Retail Podcast. I'm Kale Guthrie Weissman, the editor in chief here at Modern Retail. And this week, I'm really excited. We have Ryan Fritch. He's a co founder of Cloud Paper. Cloud Paper, for those who don't know, is a bamboo based, tree free paper product company.、Um, I'm excited to get into just the overall space of being an everyday usable product like toilet paper, all that, but that's in the sustainability space and also being a startup in that space as well. I have a bunch of questions about the company, about how it works, about how you're growing. We're going to get into all of that. But Ryan, thank you for joining me. How are you doing? Okay, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I apologize if I butchered the explanation、uh, of, of Cloud Paper, but t- t- what's the story? How did it start? Give me everything. Yeah, no, absolutely. And Kale, I think you're pretty,、uh, pretty spot on. So Cloud Paper is a tree free paper products company.、Uh, we started the company in 2019. Uh, so, still just a couple years, years old. So, still a very、uh, much of a, a newcomer to the scene of、uh, paper products for, for sure.、Um, we started the company really under the very simple idea that we wanted to stop deforestation from single use disposable paper products.、Um, essentially, what we came across is the paper industry, and you think paper towels, you think facial tissues, toilet paper, hasn't changed much for many, many decades. Um, and it hasn't changed much, especially in terms of sustainability.、Um, it's very much kind of lacking behind other household goods, other kind of everyday consumable goods in terms of, of sustainability. We're, we're still cutting down trees to make throwaway paper products. It's as simple as that. That's what we wanted to go and solve.、Um, and that's what we, we set out to, to do.、Um, and so our first product we launched in 2019 was a 100% bamboo, tree free、uh, toilet paper roll. And we've since expanded into、uh, paper towels, facial tissues, and are kind of dipping our toes in the water a bit with other kind of household reusable、uh, goods as, as well. One thing I've always wanted to ask,、uh, and this was sort of an aside, but I'm always interested in this.、Mm-hmm. Hypothetically, if your company, if this was at scale and every big company was making tree free products, would there be a, a crisis with bamboo the same way that there is a, you know, there is a crisis with trees? There would not. And there's a, there's a couple of reasons why. One, bamboo's actually been a growing,、uh, the market for bamboo and bamboo fiber has been growing for, for a while. I mean, I'm sure you see bamboo, Kaylin. Sheets,、uh, t shirts, whatnot. So it's been、uh, growing in terms of its use in single use paper.、Um, it's, been, it's been fairly popular outside the US.、Um, just hasn't, hasn't taken off here because we've just been got, we've gotten used to using trees, essentially, in our, in our backyard.、Um, so it's been a market、um, that's been growing for, for a long, long time. And what's interesting about bamboo, and I'm sure we'll spend、uh, hopefully a little bit of time talking about why, why bamboo,、um, but it's actually the fastest growing plant in the world. Um, you don't have to replant it after you harvest it for things like paper or sheets or, or whatnot.、Um, and so it's very easy to, to grow, to grow responsibly and grow sustainably,、um, and can grow not anywhere,、um, but it's a very low maintenance plant in, in a lot of ways. You actually see,、um, you know, in terms of kind of mapping back to the growth of bamboo across the globe, you actually see it,、uh, growth happening in areas that actually. Has been degraded or devastated due to you know, illegal logging, unsustainable logging, things like that. And because bamboo is, is a pretty versatile plant, it can be used to kind of kickstart、um, uh, kick kind of bringing back、uh, a thriving ecosystem that was once there, but again was you know, potentially unfortunately、um, destroyed due to、uh, unsustainable logging and, and forestry. So, what were you doing before this? Were you Mm-hmm. And, and what made you go into the, the paper business? So, me and my co founder were actually in、uh, tech. 
uh, here in in Seattle. So we started working uh, together at at um, at Uber here in Seattle in 2013. Um, and so 2013 Uber was very different. It was yeah the, yeah that's a that's a wild time to be working at Uber. <laughs> exactly. So we spent really uh, our days kind of working on rolling out RideShine, the UberX products um, in our region and in, in the Pacific Northwest, um, and did that for a few years. And it went to another kind of tech-enabled marketplace business in Seattle called Convoy. Um, Convoy is more so in the trucking, logistics, supply chain space, um, but kind of very much follows that that Uber Uber model. Um, so did that for a few years and. So you know we weren't getting necessarily our start in packaged goods or or even consumer uh, faced uh, physical goods. Uh, but what I will say is I think it was um, it was inspiring, kind of working, especially in the early days. You, you work you know right next to the founders, the, the senior uh, leaders at these at these companies. You can kind of see what started as you know it, it, at the time might have been a crazy idea. Uh, you can see these ideas kind of flourish and, and take shape, and uh, you can see the energy and, and the motivation around pushing these ideas out into the out into the real world. Um, and we, you know, count ourselves very very lucky to see that happen at two uh, wildly successful companies in a row. Um, kind of got the itch, I would say, kind of that got that entrepreneurial itch uh, after seeing this happen happen a few times. And so we said, let's let's um, let's kind of get out in the in the world on our own um, and see what we can see what we can do. Um, the first kind of criteria was we wanted to get into sustainability in a big, big way. Um, you know, I, at the at the time, so this was you know, call it 2018. We started really kind of talking about, you know, starting a venture and looking at the space. There was you know a lot of companies, especially even this in the household goods space, that were really making major strides in terms of innovation. I remember at the time, um, a blue, uh, a company I'm sure you're familiar with called Blue Land was launching. Um, They're alums of the pod as well. Yeah, I love it. And I remember seeing their announcement and, and looking at it and, and just thinking, like, how how cool is it that this company is going out and their first product is reinventing the uh, spray 409 disinfectant bottle and is reinventing <laughs> the plastic soap dispensers? Like, there's no, there's like nothing, there's no stir- stone to be left unturned here in terms of how we can drive innovation. I just thought it was so inspiring to see what Blue Line was doing and taking this, you know, traditionally, you know, pretty overlooked category um, and driving real innovation and building a really interesting brand around it. So that inspired us to kind of look, continue to look around the the household and just look at other, I would say, routine products. We started really diving into um, and looking at where is there excess plastic, where is there excess waste, where is there you know packaging or materials or goods that can't be recycled or composted or, or whatnot. And um, that's when we came across a lot of the uh, the research and literature that was really starting to come to light. Um, around that time, around one deforestation and and, and the paper and pulp industries link towards deforestation and their lack of innovation um, and their lack of interest in driving real change in terms of, of sustainability. And when you start to look at some of the, the numbers and you're talking, you know, tens of thousands of trees every single day are cut down just to make sure there's enough toilet paper on the shelves uh, at, at, uh, at, at your big box retailer is, is pretty devastating. So once we saw those facts and figures, we kind of stopped in our tracks I would say a bit, and so I think this is the space. It's big enough and it's interesting enough that if we can do this, if we can do this right and really shift this industry, as boring as it might sound, getting into toilet paper and paper towels, if we can do this right, we can really drive true material, uh, global environmental change, and 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 that was inspiring to us. And so we jumped in uh, in the spring of 2019. We started rolling out our first uh, product. What was the initial rollout plan? I am, you know, I imagine for a company like yours. You have ambitions to to go to scale to be you know 
as everywhere as you can, but you can't be everywhere at first. So are you going for like luxury households who will buy it online? What, what, how did you think about getting it into people's hands? Yeah. So, you know, part of my, uh, rambling monologue earlier about the kind of origin story, my origins in tech and, and whatnot. I, you know, I, I wasn't necessarily, um, a D to C purist from the, from the, from the get go. Uh, right. And so we, you know, as we were looking at that and we knew at the time to paper products, and this is shifting a bit, especially after the TP craze of, of 2020. Um, paper, <laughs> yeah, paper, I'm gonna, I want to, I want to talk about that with you. Cause I'm sure you had some interesting stuff to say. You no, know, absolutely. We'll, 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 we'll talk about it, uh, for sure. But, um, you know, especially before then paper products weren't bought online. Um, uh, a lot, right? They're, they're big bulky boxes. Um, they're not, you know, super heavy, but they're bulky. They take up a lot of space. They can be expensive to ship. And it's generally just been such a routine product that hasn't given a lot of, you know, it's not a high consideration product. Like most people buy the same brand over and over and over again. Um, and so we knew we were kind of going up against going up against that. And so we actually took a different tact when we went to market and, um, started selling into, uh, uh, B2B partners. Um, so our first customer was actually a WeWork. Um, it was the WeWork that we were working out of at the time. <laughs> that um, works. Yeah, exactly. And so it was, it was convenient. Um, and, uh, you know, WeWork, you know, this was at the time, I think this was a few months after they announced like their no meat policy. Um, you know, WeWork was taking these dramatic steps at the time to really kind of be um, at the forefront of, of driving, of driving change. And so they were, they were very interested in, you know, piloting tree-free uh, tree-free paper in their facilities, and and they wanted to um, they wanted to talk about it essentially, right? And so what they said is, can you put together um, uh, you know four inch by four inch kind of placard for the for the bathroom stalls where your products are that say, you know, hey, WeWork has gone tree-free. Here's why it's important. Um, and so that was the start of kind of businesses, kind of commercial facilities being like an acquisition channel for folks kind of tell our story. It's literally uh, a showroom for our product, right? You're in a bathroom cell, you're, you're using the product, you're reading about it. You probably don't have too much else to do at the time. Um, and there's <laughs> cloud paper kind of front and center. Um, and, and so we, we started that with, we work in that one building and then, uh, rolled out all of Washington, all of Oregon. At that time we were, you know, working with hotels, yoga studios, restaurants, um, up until, you know, call it April, 2020. And then, you know, all those hospitality, um, all of our hospitality partners were, of course, the first group of businesses to, uh, you know, essentially shut their doors. Um, and so that kind of brought that to a screeching halt, for lack of a better, uh, better phrase. And that's, that's at that point when we shifted very quickly uh, into, uh, into direct-to-consumer um, at that time and started kind of re- reformatting um, our, our products and our SKUs to better fit the, the household. So you mentioned that it was WeWork's idea to have a placard that says we've, you know, we've gone tree free and this is cloud paper. Yeah, I think it was probably it was probably part of the like, very early conversation where we, we, of course, were super interested in in tell in talking about what tree free paper is, what cloud paper uh, is. At part of what we were doing, when we were starting the company is we said if even if we sell into commercial facilities, we still want to kind of ha- have a high bar in terms of our brand, our messaging, our comms. Um, you know, almost have like the the chrome and the polish of a consumer brand, but selling into commercial facilities like uh, like like WeWork. So I, I forget exactly if we if we maybe had like a mock up ready or whatnot. But either way, it, if it was our idea, they were jumped on it and, and didn't push back um, at all. Because you can and I and I bring it up too, Kale, because you could see a world where a large organization like WeWork says, well, that needs to go through our brand team and our yeah, comms exactly. team, and yeah. we need to sign off on it and da da da. I think literally we. 
if we came up with that idea or they did, we definitely built it in Canva um, and printed it locally, <laughs> printed it locally and put it in their stalls. And they loved it. Of course, they had eyes on it and, and they have teams in every building, of course. And so everyone kind of saw what was going on. Um, but it was a very quick process. Um, it wasn't laid in, in too much bureaucracy, which was which was super nice, especially for our first customer in the space. And have you, like, do you replicate that with every B2B client that you have where you say, or do you like, I was, we were talking with someone, I think the other week where they mentioned how they, they were, they were um, a sauce product and they gave restaurants a discount if they mentioned it on their menu. And so I imagine for you, it might be nice if you, if you, you put up a sign, we'll say who we are, or is that just a requirement if it is a more industrial space and you want people to know who you are? We've definitely replicated across other um, other customers. I wouldn't say it's a it's a it's a hard requirement, but ninety nine percent of our corporate customers want to talk about this. They want to show whether it's their customers or their employees um, that they're they're kind of uh, you know taking sustainability initiatives seriously all the way to the extent of even looking at their at their paper products. Um, and so we we have you know a light pro lightweight program around it where we have a couple of templates we can use. We share them ahead of time and say we can you know. We'll put your logo here. We'll co-brand it. We'll print them for you and ship them out to all your lo- location. So we make it super easy uh, for for folks to do it. And there are some cases. It's interesting because I do mention it's a um, you know an interesting acquisition channel. Um, and so you can do some you know back of the napkin math and say, okay, if you know you see this amount of foot traffic and and whatnot, what would the value be to cloud paper there for you know leveraging this as an acquisition channel and can that translate into you know say savings on what you pay for paper products and whatnot? And so that's definitely part of the um, conversation uh, as well because there is real value in that and we want to uh, we want that we want to reflect that and then I'd got say it, too it. we're just starting to especially again uh, kind of you can mention the restaurant uh, example um, you know everyone's so used to using QR codes now especially at, uh, compared to 2019 or, or earlier uh, and so you can imagine a, a world where we can actually start to really get very granular in the data in terms of these acquisition channels uh, by you know in these marketing materials scan here if you like it and we'll send someone sitting there and scans there. And then like, <laughs> that makes sense. Yep. Um, I wanted to back up a little. And can you just talk a lot about uh, the, the manufacturing, how you built that out? And has it have you been able to keep that with demand specifically as demand has shifted from B2B to DTC back to back to B2B or a little bit of both? So how, how has that been built out? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's a there's a, a few um, a few areas we focus a lot on. First and kind of the closest to home is from the from the beginning we started uh, building out all of our distribution and fulfillment and warehousing in house, um, and that's still true today. So nothing gets you know sent out to a three PL, nothing gets outsourced. Uh, we handle it all in um, in Seattle here where the company was started, and and I bring that up because like you mentioned, as we kind of shifted quickly from B two B to D to C, and then rolled out new products with D to C, there's real value in having everything close to home. So if we need to try out new packaging sizes, uh, swap out and build out a new bundle box on the fly, uh, test out a new you know, marketing insert. You know, we don't have to write three SOPs, um, wait two weeks, have some pushback on it. We can just literally drive to the warehouse and do it. Uh, and so that was incredibly valuable when it came to you know, launching D2C essentially overnight. And it continues to, to be super valuable for us, um, uh, for us now. Uh, we've also, you know, as part of supporting that, you need the right team and structure to, to support that as well. And so you know, some of our, again, back to my earlier uh, points, like I think there were some cur- certain points in the D2C playbook that we maybe pushed back on or, or, or didn't follow uh, exactly. One of which was our first hires, you know, weren't growth marketing hires necessarily. It was um, building an ops team. Um, and so as we built up that ops team, we also had more and more resources 
um, and Ruger around building robust manufacturing uh, partnerships. Um, and now we have you know several manufacturing partnerships and are you know one of the the first companies in the bamboo or tree free space um, to making some real inroads to um, seeing what we can do to drive uh, U.S. Uh, U.S. based domestic based manufacturing of of tree free products. Have you had to build into new warehouses or how has how has demand grown with your manufacturing capabilities? We've uh, upgraded our warehouse for for sure. Um, a, a couple times, and we just keep needing more and more, uh, more and more space. Part of this maybe was um, a little bit of the shock of the kind of COVID uh, uh, craze around TP. So we always wanted to kind of have plenty of inventory, essentially, and need more, need more space for that. And then, you know, we we still are focusing a lot on our on our B two B channel. Um, and we we want to make sure that we we have the infrastructure in place to support you know an enterprise level B two B client. If they come on, they're excited about it. They want to move quickly. We don't want to give them you know a twelve week delay um, or hold things up. We want to be essentially ready ready to go. And so we've we've made those investments up front um, so that we can move quickly. Whether it is you know a new product uh, that demand gets picked up, maybe it's you know around the holidays we see a huge spike in demand around a certain product. We want to be ready or a B two B client who you know with one PO uh, could be talking, you know, thousands, tens of thousands of, of cases, depending on who it is. We want to be ready. Um, we're ready to go. So we've, we've definitely been upgrading our, our warehousing footprint and our, and our manufacturing footprint uh, to make sure that stays true. Can you talk about the volumes you saw with the COVID spike? Was it, I mean, it sounds like you saw insane demand. Did it match or exceed what you were seeing with B2B or was it just different? Walk me through what you experienced during those first months. Mm-hmm. So it was, uh, it was, as you can imagine, definitely a, a wild, uh, a wild time. It's tough to give numbers because like everyone else in the space, we sold out of inventory. We were down to like literally counting boxes by hand um, to make sure we had the, we weren't like over selling or over promising, but down to literally the last kind of rolls in the in the in the warehouse were accounted for, um, uh, which is crazy to think. Now, since we've sold millions of rolls, like we've we've moved far beyond hand counting uh, inventory in the in the warehouse, so it's a little bit uh, crazy to think of. But it really was that we were kind of watching inventory that closely, and um, you know, at the time we we did a donation uh, to a local food bank, um, one of Feeding America's partners here in the in the Northwest. And that that got a little bit of uh, local coverage, um, you know, some of the Seattle news. They thought it was an interesting story. TP was obviously very, very much a cultural topic at the time. And so one of the what was interesting is that story ran, and you know, you're on your Shopify dashboard, and you can see as the as the clip is airing, you see the orders go tick 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 tick. As more and more time goes by, it's like literally by the second you're watching this come in. Um, and I think by the time that clip aired, and that I want to say was March. March or April, so still pretty early. Um, we had to move to a uh, a wait list while we waited for more uh, inventory to come in and and uh, and process. So it happened. It happened quick, but you know, as inventory comes in, we'd open up. Kind of, uh, I don't want to say the word allocation, but it's kind of what it was. We had so much inventory to sell, and we could have sold ten times our warehouse out ten times over. Um, and we were so young at the time, right? We were we just started our yeah, like a year old, pretty much. Yeah. So the WeWork example that was some late summer early fall 2019. And that was, you know, figuring out, uh, you know, the long list of things to figure out your first six to 12 months of a company, let alone kind of inventory forecasting and, and whatnot. So there was a lot, a lot going on. And it was a, it was definitely a, a shock to the a shock to the system. But it was um, definitely an interesting time. And what was, what was also interesting about it, Kale, is, you know, the vast majority of those people who came across Cloud Paper at that time, 
um, are still actively subscribing to our product and still get a 24 pack of, of, uh, uh, TP to their house delivered on, on a regular cadence, which is interesting because it's, you know, like we were talking about before, it's very much like, um, uh, a low consideration product. It's very much a routine product. So we, uh, you know, even though these events were out of our control, obviously we, this category kind of got thrusted to the forefront of people's minds and imagination is literally on their TV screens. Um, and so for the first time ever, potentially people were kind of talking about toilet paper at scale, uh, and in <laughs> mass channels. And we happen to be a part of the conversation. So now people are like, I've never heard of tree free toilet paper. I've never heard of bamboo, you know, paper products. Let me look into this. And it's one of these things. Once we, you know, once we can get in front of people and have a, have that conversation, say, here, here's why it's so much better. Here's, you know, here's how your existing products are made and the problem with, you know, the paper industry today. And here's an alternative. Um, once people kind of see the facts and see the alternative, they, they don't want to go back, um, essentially. Right. And it's, I, I look at it a lot like, um, kind of the, 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 the arc of like the plastic water bottle. I say where everyone's just kind of using plastic water bottles forever and no one really thought about it. And then, you know, over time, if people start asking questions, like, do we, like, is this really the best use of resources here? Is this really how we should be uh, consuming like this, you know, essential, uh, essential good? There's got to be a different way. And people moved into more reusables and whatnot. And you don't see a lot of people going back, right? You don't see a lot of people embracing reusables and whatnot and, and then still buying, you know, 40 pack of water bottles at Costco um, or whatnot. And so, and we saw the same thing here is once people saw that there is a more sustainable alternative, um, they tried it out again under, you know, less than ideal circumstances, but they tried it out because a lot of times there's the only paper they could find. Their retail shelves were sold out uh, during early 2020. Every brand on Amazon was sold out during early 2020. So let me, let me give this cloud paper thing a try essentially. And so it's promising and it's exciting for us to see that um, most of those, the vast majority of those, those folks are, are still actively uh, subscribing. Do you actively push them towards subscriptions? Like what is the play with your DTC and subscriptions? And was that difficult to fulfill throughout 2020 subscription wise. So right now, um, as of September, 2022, uh, as a recording, we, we, we do offer an option to purchase the, uh, our products on a one-time cadence, but that's, that's a feature that's only a few weeks old. So for the vast, vast majority of our, um, life as a D2C company, subscription was your only option. Um, because we really wanted to test out this idea that, you know, I think everyone, of course, would love for their products to be on subscription. Everyone wants to launch a, a subscription box or a product on subscription. But it was our idea early on that most products out there don't need to be subscription. And we're kind of like uh, a, a lot of brands are kind of are trying to force it. But w- what we thought was, you know, this is, you know, very much like I said, a routine product. It's a daily essential product. And it's one that if you don't have to think about it, it's probably for the, but most people would choose to not think about it if given if given the option, um, and it just kind of shows up right on time, not to worry about it. Um, so we really wanted to test that idea out, and you know we went into it knowing that getting someone to commit to a subscription adds a lot more friction than just a, a, a one time uh, just a, a one time purchase, and even just like the um, customer experience of it in terms of the. The, the the checkout technology is so different. Like if you do a one time purchase on Shopify, you're in and out in two seconds with ShopPay and and other things. But re, uh, the subscription services aren't as integrated um, as as you know ShopPay, for example. So it's still very manual. Find your credit card, plug it in. They're working on it. We're starting to see like PayPal roll out as part of uh, integrations with Recharge and whatnot. But um, and again, that's very very recent. So going through this exercise, we knew that it was going to be 
more of a lift on the on the consumer to go into a subscription. Um, but we really wanted to test out this idea: is like is 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 toilet paper kind of in this category of actually truly a must-have um, that does make a lot of sense on on subscription? Um, and we're seeing some really interesting kind of uh, retention and and reorder um, numbers um, from that. I think so. I think we're tr- we're proving it out that. Um, if we can make it as easy as possible, given you know any sort of technological limitations, um, this category makes a lot of sense to be on on subscription. And um, going down that path, we actually started rolling out bundles, so you can bundle uh, you know a certain number of rolls of toilet paper, paper towels, a reusable cleaning cloth, facial tissue. So now we can just take care of all your cleaning goods in one box on a, on a regular subscription. Um, three months, four months, five months. Um, and so that that's something we've been rolling out and testing recently as well um, and starting to see some uh, interesting results. Did you, at the end of 2020 or into 2021, when things started to allay, did you see significant churn with people going back to their grocery stores and buying it? Or like, what, what were you seeing in terms of how people were responding when thing when stores opened back up and there was less of a shortage? So we didn't see, we didn't see much churn at all uh, in terms of the customers that, that came across cloud paper during that time when the when the retail shelves were 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 uh, barren, I think there's still a little bit of shock for a lot of people for a while, and they were maybe um, kind of skeptical, like, okay, maybe this is on the shelf today, but who knows uh, tomorrow? And you know, back to the subscription point, Kayla, I think people um, uh, valued the um, the consistency or the security of knowing they're locked into a cloud paper subscription, and that's one thing that we made very much part of the forefront of our messaging during this time was. If you're on a cloud paper subscription, you're on a cloud paper subscription, and that's not going to change. We're not going to give you know your inventory to someone else that's coming in the door. Uh, we're we, we're going to put you know top of funnel customers on a wait list to to ensure your your deliveries come through. So I think people really appreciated that, and so we actually didn't see um, much churn at all. Kind of once things got to you know quote unquote back to back to uh, normal um, at the time. And if anything, what what happened was um, because this category again was such like a at the forefront of of the conversation. We actually saw a lot of the people go out and then talk about cloud paper, talk about the environmental benefits on social, uh, you know, through referrals with their friends and and whatnot. So we actually started. We actually saw increased growth even when things got back to normal, um, just because we you know we had this jolt in our subscriber base come through essentially overnight um, that are now our advocates. Um, and out in the world talking about what what tree free paper is leads perfectly into my next question, which is can you can you talk a little bit about the marketing front of things? It sounds like at least you know when you shifted to DTC, you probably didn't need to do too much marketing because there was such demand for the product. But I imagine now things have changed. How how are you acquiring customers? What are you focusing on? Walk me through all of that. We've tried it all. I would say, uh, Kale, we've we've kind of run through the spectrum of of different uh, initiatives and, and priorities in terms of. Um, in terms of marketing, I think we've, as is probably the theme with a lot of your other guests during this this time, we've we've pulled back a ton from a lot of the social um, ads uh, through the Meta properties um, in in a pretty significant way um, for for a lot of different reasons. The number one being just the cost of it didn't, doesn't make sense for this for this category. Um, and so there's a couple of things we focus on now. Number one is. Um, making sure we are well placed for someone who is essentially going through their grocery list, um, whether that is, you know, googling for certain things on Amazon, looking for certain things, um, and also trying to, um, you know, lean into distribution channels, emerging distribution channels as marketing channels and levers. Um, perfect example of that is GoPuff, um, which is very much like a distribution partner for us, but they also bring a lot of eyeballs in. 
Um, you know, and, and so we're working with them and kind of looking at various ways to, you know, leverage that as an advertising channel, for example, um, and, and get in front of folks who might be on going through a, a grocery list on GoPuff. We want to be right there um, when they're, when that person has that, has that intent. So we're, I think all that to say, we're kind of, we're, we're repositioning a lot of our marketing efforts to show up in the best way possible at the right time versus trying to just get in front of, of, of people, which already, you know, trying to stop someone on the scroll is tough enough, <laughs> regardless of the product, but, yeah, try but especially for someone, paper towels, yeah. right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh, we, we learned that, we learned that lesson and have, and have shifted, uh, a bit. And then of course, like I said, we, you know, our B2B channel is still up and running. Um, and so we, we leverage that as well and, and, you know, try and find interesting, creative ways to partner with, with our, our, uh, corporate customers to find ways to kind of help tell our story. What distribution channels are you in right now? You mentioned GoPuff, you mentioned Amazon. Are you in other retail channels as well? Or how are you thinking about that? Yeah, you're right. So it's GoPuff, Amazon, um, our website, and then uh, B2B right now. Um, no no physical retail shelves today. And that, that can change. That can change. I think we're, you know, like I said, we want to just kind of show up uh, in, the right, in the right areas. We essentially want to make it as easy as possible for, for someone to switch to cloud paper or, or try cloud paper and still... It's still even post uh, 2020 craze. Uh, most of the paper products are still bought on retail shelves, physical shelves, I should say. I think that's shifting, uh, shifting quickly, but it's still definitely a part of the equation. Um, and so it's something that we're definitely looking at um, a lot. And so we're, we're not we're not opposed to it. Also, you know, maybe if we catch up uh, on this pod next year, I'll have a, a list of uh, physical retail shelves to to shout out, but but none right now. Got it, got it. And right, so now that B two B is back up and running, and I, I was reading because you got you raised money earlier this year in February, right? Mm-hmm, right. And and I think I read in the TechCrunch article that you're focusing on building out the B two B more. What is the current percentage of B two B compared to you know c- consumer sales? Mm-hmm. So consumer sales are still um, still driving the majority of our sales today. Um, it's you know I think you know, for. Uh, ease of the conversation. I can, you know, we could potentially, I see it getting to a place where it's 50 50. Um, and again, maybe that's, maybe I'm like oversimplifying it, but just as kind of <laughs> like a milestone, I'm like, let's, what would a 50 50 blend look like? We're not there yet. I think because we do, there's just been so much momentum and growth. And, and as you know, once we start to pick up the speed on, on consumer and our referral and yeah, our referral network is kind of kicking in, our reviews are coming through. It just, you know, accelerates exponentially. Um, and so B2B needs to go and catch up to that. And with B2B now seems um, uh, like kind of things are back to normal, especially in hospitality, which is important to us. But, if, you know, think back even not even six months ago, it was very much start and stop. What's open, what's not, how are the rules changing in terms of what's open based on the state? Are people traveling again? As things kind of open back up, like, you know, flights, for example, had quite the couple of weeks and months of kind of stumbling through canceled flights and whatnot, trying to kind of, you know, get, you know, back to normal and, and, and get back things. So we, we had to deal with that a little bit too, kind of the start and stop. I think we're very much, yeah, as far as I can see, we're kind of open, we're in the clear, everything's back to normal. And so we're, we're full speed ahead, kind of growing that, that B2B um, channel now. And obviously I wish we were, we kind of had that clarity earlier, um, but you know, I, and it makes sense too. Like you put yourself in the business owner's shoes, right? Like I, there's a lot of stuff I'm dealing with right now in terms of, you know, bringing everyone back, whether it's into my restaurant or my office and, 
you know, return to work. I still don't think there's much, there's, a, a, you know, there's not like consensus yet on return, quote unquote, return to work. Um, so there's still in these areas that is ambiguity. And so we're kind of, we're working, we're working through that, but it's definitely a priority uh, for us to continue to, to grow the, the B2B channel. Yeah. Uh, so what are, yeah, offices are interesting because I imagine that's probably a pretty big area, but there are a lot of places that aren't returning to the office or they're in some weird hybrid space. Where where are you focusing most on in terms of the B2B? Are, is, it, is it hospitality? You want to be in restaurants, you want to be in hotels, or are there other areas that you're looking into? I'd say hospitality is at the top of the list. Um, and one, one of the key reasons why is, you know, just like kind of uh, corporate partners in other industries, they very much are taking their ESG and their sustainability initiatives seriously, number one. Uh, but two, especially if you think of like the hotel example, there's also a um, customer experience uh, consideration that they you know weigh very, very heavily compared to, say, um, an office building, a national park, or, uh, whatever whatever it might be. And part of what we bring to the table with, with Cloud Paper is, one, you get the sustainability benefits of moving away from a paper product made from virgin wind pulp. Um, but bamboo, uh, as a plant and as a fiber, actually has a lot of properties kind of similar to trees in that you can pulp it and make a high-quality, soft, absorbent paper product. And so you don't have to sacrifice on quality like you might have before with, say, if you've ever used okay, like a recycled product. I guess you get, the, you get the sustainability benefit, but the quality hardly is ever there. Um, it's just it's hard to make a high-quality recycled product, if not impossible. Um, so when we go to a hotel, because hey, you're, you can you know move away from from the old product, but you will not have to sacrifice for your guests um, by making that by making that switch. And that uh, of course is something that's super interesting, especially with this class of kind of your more modern kind of boutique style uh, hotels are, are very much interested in kind of doing these interesting things. And then again, they have an avenue now uh, to tell an interesting sustainability story with their guests. Or that's through some marketing uh, asset, you know, in the room or 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 whatnot. We're almost running out of time, but I have a few more questions, um, which I should have asked this before, but I, I forgot. But now it's back. So uh, uh, it makes sense who who your prime B two B targets would be, especially on the hospitality hotel front. But who is your who is the average customer on the D two C world? Is it you know upwardly mobile person who's thinking more? more sustainably about their home? Do you have a, a certain demographic in mind or is it does it run the gamut? So there's one point of clarification that's important like when we, when we think about who our customer is and that's our products are actually, um, they're not more expensive than your higher end existing brands. So you think of like your Charmin's and your Cottonelle's, like it's not the bottom of the barrel cheapest product out there, but it's not priced as a, uh, as a luxury. It's priced as your kind of, you know, upper, you know, uh, ends in brand. So we don't necessarily have to, um, try to find the, um, you know, the customer that kind of has, uh, for all intents and purposes, kind of no budget in terms of investing in sustainability. <laughs> we can target kind of your, you know, more of your middle of the road consumer who might be buying like a Cottonelle today. Um, so there's, there's that. And I would say it, it runs the gamut a bit, and I think what we're actually seeing is um, you're, we're moving more towards the um, Costco shop, shopper than than the than the opposite. I think a lot of people kind of assume that it's the uh, millennial um, kind of Instagram shopper who is buying our product because it's new and, and trendy and, and and whatnot. But actually, we're seeing a bit of the opposite, and we, and we've rolled out larger format. Uh, SKUs. So our hero product right now is a 24 count of uh, toilet paper. 
but we um, have as much as 96 count, which is a lot. Of, I don't know if like, it's a 40 pound box. It's a big box. Uh, it's a hundred rolls of toilet paper will last one person a long, long time. But if you're a family of six and you have a garage to put it in and you can see a 30% savings by buying in bulk, why, why not? And we're actually seeing a lot of people be, are, that are being drawn towards these large, larger format SKUs. Um, and so the, you know, the most popular SKU, uh, in Costco, again, for example, is their 40 pack of TP. A lot of times people buy two at a time. And so we're trying to kind of tap into that and you're seeing that growth in that area, uh, that, that growth come faster than say smaller format SKUs for someone shipping it to an apartment in a, in a city. What are your big goals for the next 12 months? Is it, you know, expanding to more products? Is it getting, you know, more customers? What, what are you thinking about for, for growth over the next year? So for the next 12 months, I think we, we touched on this just a, a bit, Kale, but it's definitely kind of growing uh, or seeing growth in, in, distri- in new distribution channels, especially outside of just our, our website. Um, and so I would say we were a little bit late to the game with even Amazon. Uh, Amazon's only six months old. And so you're going to see us invest a lot in, in Amazon as a channel. You're going to see us invest a lot in GoPuff. Uh, as as a channel, um, I think there's uh, there's new channels kind of emerging as well. Even some like you know drugstores and pharmacies are trying to launch their own kind of delivery apps. There's, there can be interesting um, uh, there can be interesting areas for investment. They're all kind of pegged on this idea that these kind of on demand services. Um, I think GoPuff's a perfect example of this. They're moving beyond just I need a bag of chips and uh, some beer in the next 30 minutes, let me use an on-demand app. And they're moving more towards how do I do my grocery shopping on, you know, on, on these, whether it's Uber Eats or it's, or it's whatnot. So I think you'll see us kind of play into that trend a lot because a lot when people think of grocery shopping, uh, toilet paper is at the top of the list of like essentials, which is the whole reason why we spent so much time even today talking about that 2020 craze, why people were so freaked out about it. So you'll definitely see us play into um, into that in terms of distribution growth and then um, new products. Um, so our uh, one of our newer products is actually a, a reusable um, Swedish dishcloth, which is the first time we've we've launched a reusable product. Um, and so you're seeing us start to kind of um, expand out of uh, the bathroom a bit. I would I would say um, into more kind of kitchen goods um, that are that are sustainable, um, that are plastic free. Um, all natural compostable. I think so. I think you'll see us kind of look at look at that space as well. So beyond just you know solving your sustainability needs in paper, what other kind of sustainability needs do you have in the household? Where else do you want a plastic free alternative? For example, um, uh, alternative to, to existing goods that you're that you're using. So you'll see us kind of uh, look look at that space uh, a bit uh, as well, based on the growth we've seen with our with our first reusable that Swedish dishcloth. Well, Ryan, this has been a great conversation. I really appreciate you taking the time. Of course, Kale. Thanks for having me. It's been a lot of fun. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Modern Retail Podcast, a show by Digiday. If you haven't already, please do subscribe and send this podcast over to a friend who you know would enjoy it. See you next week. Bye.